0: Coming up on Stew Does America, have you seen how the media is covering these conventions? They seem to actually be getting worse at their jobs, if that's even possible. Steve Krakauer, my good friend, former colleague, joins us to talk about the media and his brand new newsletter, fourthwatch.media. Uh, if you would, take a minute to subscribe to this feed wherever you are on podcasts. He ask you to rate and review the show. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. And if you know someone who you think would like it, please harass them with obnoxious reminders. If you go on YouTube, search for Stu, voila, there's my stupid face. You can subscribe and hit the bell for notifications and like this video right now before you forget or I say something that pisses you off. Plus, you can grab a Blaze TV, subscription at BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Make sure to use the promo code Stu because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you'll save 10 bucks. We all know that Joe Biden is the nominee for the Democrats, but who is really running the show? Let's do the Radicals in the Shadows.
1: Stu does America.
0: Well, tonight is the big night. For one Joseph Robinette. Biden jr aka the united states citizen that the left chose to best represent their political viewpoints scary thought huh Hmm. anyway this is a guy who ran for president in 1988 until he plagiarized himself out of the race is it because they didn't work hard my ancestors who worked in the coal
1: mines in northeast pennsylvania and come up after 12 hours and play football for four hours was it because they were weak Those people who could work eight hours underground and then come up and play football.
0: I mean, he couldn't even change the sport. I barely hear any similarities there at all. I'm not sure what happened. Then he ran again in 2008, and that went pretty well. I spent last summer going through the black sections of my town holding rallies in parks, trying to get black men to understand it's not unmanly to wear a condom. Getting women to understand they can say no. Uh Getting people in the position where testing matters. I got tested for AIDS, I know Barack got tested for AIDS, there's no shame (laughs) in being tested for AIDS. It's an important thing because the fact of the matter is in the community, in the community is engaged in denial. They're engaged in denial. No one wants to talk about it in the community. And we do not have enough leaders in the community and outside the community demanding we face the reality, confront the men in the community, as well as the women letting them know there are alternatives. Thank you. (laughs) A lot of people remember this for when Biden said he and Barack got tested for AIDS, which is understandable, especially when they cut to an obviously annoyed Barack Obama. And then I think the TV guy actually located Al Sharpton in the audience, which I just love in the middle. Hey, we're talking about AIDS. Where's Al? Is Al out there? I do admit it's comedy gold, but I prefer the beginning. The Democrats, the party of calling everybody else racist, are running a candidate that claims he was holding events in parks where he would walk up to random black men and inform them that it was OK to wear a condom. Then he would walk up to random black women and inform them that they didn't have to say yes every time someone wanted to climb on top of them. The Democratic candidate for president was telling black women how to avoid being promiscuous. It's the very rare vortex of white splaining and slut shaming. And it was pulled off with incredible, incredible ability by Joe Biden. How did that work out in Iowa? Quick refresher on the results of the 2008 Iowa caucus. In first place, Barack Obama, 37.6%. In second place, John Edwards, remember him? 29.7%. In third place, Hillary Clinton, remember her? 29.4%. In fourth place, Bill Richardson, remember him? No, you don't but he had 2.1%, and then in fifth place, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., with an impressive 0.9%, which, in fairness, we should point out is almost 1%. Not bad. And unlike two decades earlier, at least he made it to Iowa in 2008, which is something. But now, here he is. After getting slaughtered in three straight primaries to open the campaign, he's about to do a major primetime speech as the Democratic nominee in the year 2020. Of course, he's lost a step, or 12 since then. He spent the entire campaign going from outbursts of anger. Well, I knew you were man. You think I thought you said vote for you? You're too old to vote for me. <laughs> to being so subdued that you thought he might fall asleep. Why doesn't he just act like a president? That's a stupid way to say it. You know, guess, Donald Trump, Trump really was asking Sorry. (laughs) Wow. The question is, what explains these wild swings of emotion? I'm pretty sure someone in the Biden orbit has given him a cassette like George Costanza's father. Serenity now! Serenity now! (laughs) What is that? Doctor gave me a relaxation cassette. When my blood pressure gets too high man on the tape tells me to say serenity now. <laughs> I'm not saying Biden is walking around screaming serenity now backstage. That would be ridiculous. It's probably more like senility now. And that's why we have this handy dandy new 2020 campaign T-shirt featuring Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. himself. Senility now. You can get one in six different colors available now at Stu Does Merch. Com. Of course, if you would rather celebrate the historic first black female Asian woman named Kamala to be named a, a, a vice presidential nominee, we've got you covered there, too, with our new Kamala Namala T-shirts. Kamala Namala, available now at studosmerch.com. So what can we expect in the absolutely horrific possibility of a Biden-Harris victory? Well, Joe wants to mi- uh, raise the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour which honestly used to sound really bad, but with the amount of money we're printing at this point is going to sound really cheap really soon. They want to study reparations. You don't need to study anything. Here's all you need to know. I didn't have anything to do with slavery, so I'm not paying for it. Biden wants to uh, get two years of college to be free. What's amazing here is that this is why people are calling him moderate. Because everyone else in the Democratic Party wants four years of free college and Biden only wants two. That's still insane. Being slightly less insane does not make you sane. The same thing goes for his health plan. He doesn't say he wants full Medicare for all yet. But instead, he just wants to be massively expanding Obamacare. It's so weird how we were told Obamacare would fix all our problems. And then here we are. Just one term after Obama leaves office, and it's so bad that every single Democrat was forced to run on a brand new health care plan to fix Obamacare. I wonder if there's a lesson in there somewhere. Biden wants to raise taxes on the wealthy, of course, and raise taxes on corporations, of course. And he has a climate plan, too, of course. It's no big deal. He just wants the entire power sector to be carbon-free in 15 years. That means shuttering hundreds of older coal power plants, of course, which account for about 24% of our power. But it also would mean shuttering all the brand-new natural gas plants that have replaced them and now generate another 38% of our power. Throw in some oil plants as well, some biomass plants. They're gone, too. So now we're at about 64% of our power, totally replaced by much more expensive sources within 15 years. Oh, and he wants to retrofit 4 million buildings and 1.5 million new affordable green homes and create a historic investment in clean energy innovation, plus advance sustainable agriculture and conservation. And there's one more thing on the checklist, just secure environmental justice. Oh, and equitable economic opportunity. Nothing easier than securing environmental justice and equitable opportunity as defined by left-wing crazy people. You know what that plan sounds like to me? (laughs) You you say it with me. (gasps) Moderate. I guess it's moderate compared to the person he picked as his number two. Kamala wants 100% emission-free electricity, too. She just wants it five years faster. You'll notice both deadlines would be after they serve two terms, Hmm. but she doesn't want a clean power sector. She wants an entirely emission free economy, everything in the economy by 2045, which sounds like it's way in the future, but it's only 25 years to accomplish this. She wants a little tiny teensy weensy little bit of cash, $10 trillion in public and private funding. That's not my number. That is her number. She also says she wants to protect 30% of our lands and oceans. I'm not sure what that means for the other 70% uh, 70% of our lands and oceans. Maybe she's, I don't know, going to blow them up, start a pandemic, I don't know. Both Joe and Kamala want raises for teachers, perhaps the most pandery of pandering promises in all of politics. Kamala says she wants another $13,000 for each teacher. Over a 20% total raise in salaries, which is an interesting fit with all of the other trillions of dollars we already owe. And don't forget her position on guns. Quote, if Congress fails to send comprehensive gun safety legislation to Harris's desk within her first 100 days as president, including universal background checks, assault weapons ban and the repeal of the NRA's corporate gun manufacturer and dealer immunity bill, she will take executive action to keep our kids and communities safe. So she's planning on violating the Second Amendment and the separation of powers. Wonderful. And I know she's not technically going to be president. But remember, the guy at the top of the ticket is Mr. Senility Now. Kamala was also pushing for $2,000 apiece to most Americans for rent during the pandemic. This would cost another $6 trillion. Overall, Kamala proposed $46 trillion. Trillion dollars in additional spending. Think about that, mo- that number: forty-six trillion dollars. Barack Obama ran on promoting one trillion dollars of additional spending, and we were pissed off about it. Joe Biden is at six trillion. Kam was at forty-six trillion. According to Brian Riedel, this would have the same impact on our debt as eliminating all federal taxes entirely. All of them gone. But hey, at least we have a completely competent guy at the top of the ticket who is completely capable of sifting through all of these hugely damaging proposals. Right. (laughs) At least we've got that. I'm not sure if the Democrats have quite figured out how to message this ticket yet. Luckily, they got some help from Michelle Obama. I am one of a handful of people living today
1: who have seen firsthand the immense weight and awesome power of the presidency. And let me once again tell you this, the job is hard. It requires clear-headed
0: judgment. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, 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 the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. A mastery of complex and competing issues. We gotta, it's just, yeah. but you gotta, I mean, the, we got to reassure, look. A devotion to facts and history. We choose unity over division. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. When Bobby Kennedy and Dr. King have been assassinated in, in the 70s, uh, late 70s, I got engaged. A moral compass. You've also been criticized about um, your interactions with women. Um, seven women accused you of touching them without their permission. I'll bet you're as bright as you're good looking and an ability to listen you know the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with
1: uh with uh i don't know mm. I,
0: I i'll tell you this wow Mm-hmm. i bet you're impressed I bet you can't wait to cast your vote for Biden-Harris 2020. If you're trying to sell your home, I don't know, maybe you're trying to leave the country, uh, you need a real estate agent who's going to come and take charge of the situation. That's why you need realestateagentsitrust.com. realestateagentsitrust.com is a company started by one Glenn Beck. You're actually watching a company started by one Glenn Beck as well. They're good companies. And realestateagentsitrust.com is the type of place uh, you go on the web to make sure you're getting good information. There's so many places on the internet where the information is terrible. Some of it is good, though. Realestateagentsitrust.com helps you sift through the information and get you the best agent in your area. These are people who, a lot of them are fans of the show. They, you know, they, understand, they're gonna, they know how people in our audience like to do business. Common sense, um, not insane. Uh, maybe not spending $10 trillion for no reason. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to make sure you have the best agent in your area that not only knows how all this stuff works, but is going to make sure uh, your needs are at the top of the list. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Name says it all. Real Realestateagentsitrust.com. Joining me now, Steve Krakauer. Steve is the founder and editor of FourthWatch.media. It's a brand new media newsletter. If you haven't read it, you must subscribe to this. It's, the, it's fantastic every single time it comes out. Uh, it's got great parts, but it's, it's honesty, consistency, curiosity, and discomfort. I like that. It's four, four things we all definitely need. Steve, thanks for coming
1: on the program. Steve, thanks for having
0: me. Uh, it's been a while since you've been in this building, former Blaze uh, alum. Yes, about
1: five years. Five years. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Still in Dallas. Uh, yeah. you know.
0: That's great. Yeah. Um, you know, you come back at an interesting time. I, I didn't even know we were allowed out of the House yet.
1: I know. And here you are. I know. It's, I, I feel uh, no handshakes, but otherwise, yeah, you know, we're just, just chatting. Relatively normal, yes. at least,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the middle of the, of the big convention. Uh, the Democrats are going at it. The media is doing what it does. And I've been fascinated to watch this, and you've had great coverage of this as well, where things that happen, you just can't even explain. I mean, the one that hits me right off the bat is Bill Clinton. On the same day the pictures come out, he's <laughs> getting a massage from one of the Epstein victims. He still makes, uh, makes a speech at the convention. right. He doesn't get
1: canceled. No, no, yeah. It's like he's Cancelable, <laughs> I feel like. And, and obviously, you know, there there were certain elements in the media that that brought this up. I, I Actually, one of the CNN reporters, uh, K-File, who normally digs up the kind of pictures that uh, that the Daily Mail found, yeah. I, I, you know, asked the question, how can Bill Clinton speak in a Me Too era? I mean, this is different than four years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, Me Too started in 2017. That was, you know, after the 2016 convention. So in this new era, it really is, you know, still being held up and, you know, as, as an explanation from one of the CNN pundits I saw was, well, he really explains policy well. It's like, okay, you know, you can't find someone else who explains policy well that, you know, maybe didn't, is not credibly accused of literally rape, uh, you know, yeah. back in, you know, only, you know, 30, 40 years ago. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not surprising, but it is, uh, it's interesting.
0: Yeah. Cause you're going after people like the founding fathers from hundreds of years ago, you know, the eighties, the nineties, not that far away. And he was on the Epstein plane, much more recently than that.
1: Epstein Plain and now a witness, you know, has said that he was actually at the Epstein Island also. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, now that's been uncovered, not really covered by the media either a couple weeks ago. So, so yeah, you know, it's, it's obviously, look, he's, he's a well-regarded in in the poll numbers. I mean, Democrats still love Bill Clinton, you know, it's, uh, but, but I also think that maybe is the over-indexing of, of Me Too in the, in the media than, than maybe with the the general population.
0: What what have you felt about this, watching this convention so far? It's been, it, it, it's been a, you know, from a production standpoint, bizarre, yes. right? I mean, you know, the whole Zoom uh, conference thing is very, very strange, but I, I mean, is this working for them?
1: I, I have no idea. I I, and I I wrote this also. I I don't know, you know, the Republicans are next week. I'm not sure they're going to be able to do this super exciting convention either. I mean, yeah. you, you've got, you know, tens of thousands of people in a, in a giant arena, there's music playing and there are balloons and it's this big festivities. You will not have that, you know, either way, right? But, but there is something that it feels very um, overly produced, uh, very stale. Most of the speeches are not live. Um, Barack Obama's speech uh, actually was live, which was, almost felt a little bit more interesting that way. Um, mm. But, you know, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, all of these are, are pre-taped speeches that, that yeah. feel like they're just like these mini segments that uh, that are airing in, in a Zoom conference.
0: It's strange in that, like, in some ways, and obviously they didn't want anything like this to happen, the Democrats, but this is really played to the strength of this Biden campaign, which is, please don't let anyone know that Joe Biden's the actual candidate. The more they can hide Biden, the less mistakes he can make. And right now, this is obviously just a Trump election, right? Like, it's do you like Trump or do you not like Trump? It it doesn't matter who is the Democrat. The less attention you can draw to your candidate on that side, it seems like the better idea. And they've done that relatively successfully with the big help of of this terrible situation.
1: Right. No, I I think that if if you could craft a convention around the personality of Joe Biden, it would be, you know, stay in your basement and watch on Zoom. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's really working out well in that way. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, the media attention, it'll be interesting to see how much they cover uh, next week of, of the RNC also, because uh, it, th- there was actually a story that came out that, that they are actually downplaying the coverage of the DNC because they plan to not play a lot of the RNC next week. Mm. Um, obviously, they'll play the Trump speech I don't know will they play the Pence speech I don't even know um, but but yeah I, I think so much of what what is you know the way the the story is being positioned is this election is about Trump and I, and I think that you're you're seeing that play out with the pretty muted coverage of, of the, the all the speeches this week
0: I was amazed to see it the because there's some things look I, I honestly understand that I don't get the same things as everybody else sometimes like Lord of the Rings I'm not a fan and not everyone either. loves it you're not okay yeah, good you're the yeah. only other person in existence apparently it doesn't like Lord of the Rings uh, there's just certain things that Everybody likes that I don't like. And I just don't get the Michelle Obama love. Like, it's not that she's, you know, there's anything wrong with her. She's fine. She's just a normal person. She doesn't come off to me as this superhero. And the media cannot help themselves but to just constantly paint her as this god, which I just don't get.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't don't fully understand it either. I I mean, one of the things about Michelle Obama that I think has probably worked to her strength, and I I will say— I actually think if the media was being objective here, they might say the same thing about Melania Trump, is you don't really hear a lot from them. Yeah. And then, so when you see it, it feels special and interesting. Um, no, I don't get it. I, I, there, was, there was actually an, an Associated Press fact check on Michelle Obama, which was one of the rare fact checks on, on her speech, which she had some clear misinformation in. Um, most of it, though, was certainly just, uh, this was amazing. I held my breath for 18 minutes, yes. as Rachel Maddow said. <laughs>
0: First of all, that's not healthy. You should not do that. Even in a pandemic, don't hold your breath for 18 (laughs) minutes. But it's like bizarre, right? It's not just, I mean, Rachel Maddow's obviously an opinion person, but this is, this happens throughout the media. You know, when I was, I think I was watching, uh, it must have been ABC's coverage and George Stephanopoulos comes out of that speech and says, um, a different kind of fierce, than Michelle Obama. Like,
1: what is that? Is that news? I I don't know. It, it felt like something that someone wrote for George Stephanopoulos to say. I, I'm not sure if, if fierce is the is the description that he uh, he normally w- would use for it. Although, yeah, I, I know. I, 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 I the, one of the things that stuck out for me was Stephen Colbert, who said that he could not bring himself to make a joke after watching that speech. It was that well, powerful.
0: That is completely your job. Right. <laughs> <I did. laughs> and he's made fun, of course, of every Republican for every time that they said, even nice moments, they make fun. Of. Of it. right and and i'm i have i have no problem with that but when you're skipping it's this is the clapter thing right where there's it's not laughter anymore you're in this position where now you're just clapping and cheering things that aren't even jokes they're just like exclamations right that that make the point of the left
1: right I, well so much of this honestly feels like it's made for you know not made for twitter but made for like these little memeable moments um, and honestly i mean that's the that's what we're seeing from from the clips that are that even joe biden's Twitter account, which I'm, I won't say Joe Biden is not tweeting these things. Someone is tweeting them no. on behalf of Joe Biden, but they are little, you know, 30-second snippets from Andrew Cuomo's speech or from Michelle Obama's speech. You know, it's all about just, like, it doesn't matter what happens for two hours. It matters, like, let's get our moments, let them spread around by the media and by the pundits, and then we'll, we'll go from there.
0: You hit on something a few weeks ago on the, in the fourth watch, which I thought was really interesting and, and is, is a massive problem right now, um, which is these reporters were playing to Twitter, Like they're no longer their goal isn't to break the story in the most interesting way. It's to the story is almost an aside. I see this a lot of times when, you know, um, they will a reporter will work really hard on a long story. And then why not tweeting 20 different tweets about it, telling me the entire story? I no longer need to click on it. And I think to myself, these somebody employed them to get people to go to the site. This should be there. They should be drawing people to the entire story and they don't I, I, t- talk people through that because I think people see it as uh, they know themselves right where they're like of course they want retweets they want followers but like the media feels like a different world it's not these people want the same stupid things we all want
1: right no I, I actually do think that you know there's there's two real problems with it you know on one hand and actually the Washington Post tried to crack down and even the New York Times tried to crack down on their reporters putting things out on Twitter and, you know, and not putting it in the newspaper, you know, essentially, yeah. right, or on the website, um, and just giving it all away. Uh, there, there is certainly an element of that. I mean, I think there's so much right now about building your personal brand, um, but, you know, it really does feel like, you know, and I, and I spend way too much time on Twitter also, and I, I will say I am, I was a former, you know, media member in New York City. I, I, I love Twitter in the same way and feel like it's bad for me as well. But, it honestly feels like if I don't put this tweet out now, in an hour, it's no one cares anymore, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of reporters, and, and honestly, it, it's giving away the game. It's this, it's this giant peek behind the curtain about what they really believe in the exact moment when it's happening. And even if the reporting in, in the newspaper is good reporting, talking to sources, and it's it's fairly fair, you also get a sense of who they really are, what they're really thinking. In, because they tweet every second of the day. Um, and so so it really is kind of, uh, you, know, you know, it's counterproductive, I think, for the media organizations. I think they know that instinctively. But so many me- reporters now are really just about building their personal brand and then they'll move on to the next place.
0: Yeah, because it, 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 it ruins Mentally, in some ways, I think it's a good idea that I see what they're actually thinking, because it lets me know where their biases are and and what kind of person they are. But it also like ruins the mystique. Like I, I want someone I want to at least believe there's someone chasing down the facts. And maybe they have a little personal bias that seeps in, but it's not seeping in when they're tweeting, you know, Left-wing slogans in the middle
1: of news coverage. Right. I mean, and that's and that's really the problem. It's like you know, if if they only did the report, you could you could you know dissect the report. Oh, is it coming from a position of bias or not? But the the fact is, even if they they do a you know put together and their editors go through a purely objective or fair report, you can then cross cross uh, you know reference that with their tweets yeah. of, in that exact moment of what they were really thinking. There, it is. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's 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 a challenge, I think, for media organizations right now as as the power really lies with the individual personalities that make up their media organizations?
0: Yeah. um, You know, as you watch this develop, the Trump era is obviously different, right? I mean, it's different than anything else. We've been doing this for a, a little while now, and it's different than anything I think any of us have ever experienced. The thing that I've tried to boil it down to, or at least I've come up with, is There's always going to be bias against Republicans. That's in the media. You kind of expect that. And we've all sort of grown to understand that that's sort of the truth. The difference with Trump is not it's not that there's bias or more bias is there's an obsession. Like it's the obsession, not the bias. And they are so focused. I get the sense now, especially a couple of months before the election, that they've given up all pretense on even trying to appear balanced at this point. They just, they have a goal. They must get this man out of office and he will do anything to
1: do it. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I was at CNN in 2012, um, very close. I was at every debate, every election coverage. And I, I can honestly say that there was I saw no effort to tip the scales one way or the other, you know. And, and I don't think anyone who currently works at CNN would even try to argue that that's still the case. I mean, yeah. they believe they are in an existential fight with Donald Trump and with the Trump administration. I'm not sure Donald Trump believes that. I think he understands it as it's a it's a good antagonist to have yes. is, is the media. And so, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this game as much as possible. I think he honestly does it to sort of sow some chaos and and let them, you know, let me put this tweet out, and that then they will just spend three hours talking about it. It's very it's it's amazing. You you kind of yeah. pull the strings there, um, but no, I, I I think all of that is gone. They they believe they are they are doing this service. I, I think they all think they are you know Woodward and Bernstein in the in the height of Watergate about every little thing that crosses the uh, their you know the, the wire.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing how he completely programs their day. He tells them what to do. He tells them what to cover. He tells them where they need to go next. He will will retweet the thing he wants them to talk about. This is, their lives are being controlled by this person they supposedly hate and they just don't see it.
1: Right, and and, it, and it honestly, it hurts viewers. Who so I have to say, the average person I talk to who is not in the media, you know, they, obviously, I think Trump is a cultural force more sure. so than per, perhaps any other politician. But they don't spend every single moment of their day thinking about Donald Trump. And honestly, even the the policy thoughts that they have are not anchored around Donald Trump. So it, I think it's a total misreading of of their readership and their viewership. I mean, you, you know, part of this, honestly, is that everything is so segmented. You know, for CNN yeah. for MSNBC to be successful, you don't need that many people to watch. Uh, to that margin of success is pretty small. Um, you know, you go down to like Vox or something you know you don't need a lot of people to be clicking on the story you just need a certain subset of people to go a lot and to spend a lot of time there uh so yeah I I think it's it's completely completely shifted in in this era and there is a very clear obsession right now Uh, and and it, it is every single story that happens no matter even if it has literally no relation to Donald Trump. It will be, how do we pull this back yeah. to uh, the guy in the White House? So.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Rob Lowe was recently on with Joe Joe Rogan. I don't know if you heard that. And, uh, Rob Lowe, gr- he's a great interviewer. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about his first series uh, as an actor. He was like a teenager. And the show, he's like, it's it's a terrible show. Got canceled after one season. Um, you know, the last episode was a total flop. And they, they talked about it for a minute. And then he said there was something like 16.9 million people watched the last episode before it got canceled. Like now 16.9 million would be by far probably the number one show or number two show. And we forget we lose perspective on how much how different that is. Let me take a quick break and come back on the other side. I want to talk about um, a little bit about the coronavirus situation um, and media in general. Where is it going and where do we need to go next? Back with Steve Krakauer in just a second. back with Steve Krakauer, founder and editor of fourthwatch.media. Uh, you can also get the newsletter there. It comes out a couple times a week, Chris. Right, yeah, three times a week. Um, walk me through the philosophy here, because I, as a guy in the media, I would read Brian Stelter's newsletter. And I don't have this like, visceral hatred of Brian Stelter like everybody on the right does these days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he's, been, he's, been, he's written good stories about Glenn. They've had their arguments as well. Um, but I felt like I had to read it because there's interesting things about my business. Um, and the media is, of course, interesting to everybody, I think, when you're talking about politics. But it was, it became, especially in the Trump era, so hardcore, just an anti-Trump publication. It became unreadable to me. Right. You do, you cover the, a lot of the same topics, but you actually do it from a sane perspective.
1: Yeah, look, I, I'm not an overly political person. I, I, I've, i you know, written about the fact that I I didn't vote for Trump or Hillary Clinton in 2016. Mm-hmm. But, you know, really, there's there's sort of Two things that 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 sort of guide Fourth Watch. First of all, it's fact that I, as I wrote, I love the media. I want it to be better. You know, yeah. I, I'm not coming from a place of like I don't hate the media. Mm-hmm. I worked at CNN. I worked at NBC. I worked at Fox. Worked here at the Blaze. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want it to be good. I, I and so so that's for the first place. The, the other thing is that you know one of the the problems I think with of, with Brian and I I. I you know, have personally liked Brian and gotten to know him, I I don't really get it. I I find that he is, there's a lack of curiosity, I think a lot, you know, there's, there's sort of this instant rush to, to go to what everyone else is saying, what it feels like. And, and I, I don't really understand that. So, so there, you know, intellectual curiosity and then intellectual honesty, intellectual consistency, and then discomfort, which is the other main thing that I think is really a a problem in, in the media and really in life in a lot of ways with, with the, uh, you know the attitudes of maybe twitter that are you know, of a small few that get elevated to a large you know there's this feeling of like we can never be uncomfortable anymore like this this makes me uncomfortable so it is bad you know my whole philosophy is What's it, it? What makes you what makes you uncomfortable is is good, essentially. And, yeah. and so let's let's have uncomfortable conversations and talk to people that we don't always agree with, and then we'll, let's see where we go after that.
0: Yeah, because I think that's I don't. I mean, there's a certain brand of of you know talk radio, a certain brand of, of cable news where they're putting on the same sort of people over and over again. They all sort of agree. There's never any probing going on there. And I feel like I want to be put in a in, in a situation where. Um, you know, my belief, my, my priors are being questioned. I want to know somebody smart from the other side who, who and not even is from the other side. I feel like that's too, too. you know, like almost like thinking of formulate like two boxes. I don't want two people screaming at each other, you know, that are, are operatives. I, I want so, you know, I want someone to try to dig in and find something that's actually true and stick with it. Um, you know, you, you've done that several times. I, one thing,
1: time I can think of is this guy on NBC, yeah.
0: which i literally heard no one else in the media, including the conservative media, talking about. Can you can you tell us the story?
1: Yeah, so Dr. Joseph Fair uh, is a was a, a virologist uh, and was the uh, he was basically a science contributor that was brought on right during the the start of the pandemic for mm-hmm. NBC, and and he made a ton of appearances on The Today Show, on MSNBC, really across the board, nightly news, uh, you know, Meet the Press. He was on every show, uh, and in May. He was he, he he was started to be, appear from the hospital because he said that he had uh, come down with coronavirus and you know really kind of a, a crazy story and and you know was was reporting about his symptoms and everything and he did actually report you know or, or say in those I, I've had three negative tests but my doctor says I have COVID nineteen they're treating me as. And, and the early reports from ABC were, you know, made that clear. Yeah, you, it's, you know, that, that must mean that the tests are really bad because you obviously have, you know, I mean, that, literally saying that on the air. Four, four negative tests five negative tests finally it got to the point where he had an antibody test uh, only a couple weeks ago uh, this was this was in the in mid-july and that also came back negative negative. and I, I talked to a lot of medical experts look the tests are not perfect right. but when you have six negative tests plus a negative antibody test you didn't have coronavirus so, <laughs> so at some point you'd have to just sort of yeah. give up that, that that thing and and they would not do it and in fact as it got closer you know in early July he was appearing on meet the press to simply talk about his, his recovery from coronavirus and the, and the there was no more caveats on air about oh, but you also did have four negative tests, so we should tell our viewers that. Yeah, uh, and then it just became sort of you know this, this known fact, and so it really I think hurts the coverage of it. You know, it, no one reported on this. the The idea is the tests are bad, but also the way he got it. You know, he said that he is he's a virologist. He should never really get it because he should take all the precautions. Mm-hmm he said he was on an airplane he was you know wore masks and wore his you know gloves and, and but he didn't wear it and he thinks he got it through his eyes and you know that, that's a really that's a scary huge thought huge development if that's yes. true yes yeah it's a, it's a really scary thought and you know again I, again i talked to medical experts for fourth watch who told me you can get Coronavirus through your eyes, but you literally have to get someone sneezing into your eyes, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, coughing into your eyes. You're in the, the the particles are not going to just float there from an airplane. In fact, the airplane already has a filtration filtration system that is very really good. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it, it it became very clear that that he did not have coronavirus. The NBC never said it. They actually have never uh, fully acknowledged that fact on air uh, or online. And there was articles about it that's that are still up that say this. And eventually it did. You know, I wrote about it probably five times yeah. before, it, before it did finally get picked up and and uh, and did force NBC to at least acknowledge that they were not correcting it.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm puzzled by so much of the coronavirus coverage. Um in the way that people just assign themselves to teams, uh, a recent example is you know, and I like Anderson Cooper. We worked with him at CNN. He was always very good to Glenn, and I have no no you know no problems with him personally. But his treatment of uh, you know, the my pillow guy the other day. Oh yeah, yeah. You know he was, you know, and look, I don't know if the my pillow guy know how to solve coronavirus. Probably not. I mean, <laughs> you know, how so to make great pillows. I don't know what yeah, else he does. He, he seems yeah. like a, yeah, he seems like a really good guy and, and and tried to do everything he could to help. He may or may not have something here. I don't know. But my point though is that like he comes at my, the my pillow guy Mike Lindell and says. Basically, you, you're you're promoting sham, you're a snake oil salesman. You're promoting sham cures, all of this. Well, the guy on his network, Chris <laughs> Cuomo, right. is literally has his wife with a publication telling people to I, I'm taking bleach baths, and here are the spices I'm using for my cabinet to solve coronavirus. I mean, Chris Cuomo's doctor is way beyond anything Mike <laughs> Lindell ever did, and no one ever calls him out
1: on it. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a whole other story. I mean, I know you covered that too. Uh, you know, sending a, a hair. Follicle over to the doctor in uh, in New Mexico, so she could uh, tell him to take more quinine, okay. which which also is the ingredient in hydroxychloroquine. By right. the way, uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. Look, I, I, there is um, that was a horrible interview. I mean, he literally called him a steak oil salesman. I, I don't know how that's a good TV or B. How is it even fair? I mean, the guy is sitting there saying, "Look, I'm not going to start selling this thing. I, I want FDA approval. If the FDA doesn't approve it, then then we don't then we don't sell it." You know, yeah. he's he's trying something. You know, he's he's trying to help out. I, I think there's there's the sense of Look, if, if my pillow guy was just a guy who, you know, was the, the Casper, you know, mattress guy, it, it, you know, and he, and he had this, there would there might be some questions, but it, there would not be this tone. It's it's a Trump supporter, um, you mm-hmm. know, a very outspoken Trump supporter uh, who has anything. And then it automatically, you know, Anderson Cooper has the the visceral reaction that he had to it, uh, which was uh, it was so unlike the, the Anderson Cooper that was there back in, you know, in in you know, natural disasters and in war zones. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy.
0: It's a funny, engaging guy. Most of the time, I don't understand. I just don't understand it. Hydroxychloroquine, you brought it up. is the same thing. Everyone has this religious affiliation with whether it's the ultimate cure or it does nothing and will probably kill you if it comes within 15 feet of you. It seems like there's a lot of truth in the middle there. Some experts think there's promise. Some don't, but like, that's okay. We're all trying to, aren't we on
1: team cure here? Right. I, I, I know it, it does seem that, that there is, and there've been now multiple studies and a lot of studies that have shown that it has some effect in this group of people. And then there are studies that say, oh, it has, you know, no effect. And, and, you know, in this, in this group of people, okay, great. Let's look at all of these, you know, what, why does everything have to be, you know, the temperature rose so much on this, on a single issue. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, a very prominent, well-respected doctor from, from Yale, uh, Harvey Reich, uh, who wrote a, a, a column in Newsweek, wrote a paper in a very respected journal about the fact that, you know, hydroxychloroquine, can help those who are you know susceptible to to the you know to getting a serious case of, of the disease if it's done early. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know. That, that's all it is. And then he was actually on CNN and on on New Day and was getting just pilloried for it. I mean, it really couldn't get a word in edgewise. Um, it, you know, it's not it's not helpful. Uh, on, on some level, it feels like there's this idea of if we don't come down extremely hard on this, our viewers are going to just start like you know drinking yeah. fish tank uh, cleaner, like that uh, that story that ended up not really turning out to be mm-hmm. the real story anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's you've got to have more respect for the the people in America who consume the media. I think than than the people currently do.
0: Yeah. And um, one more thing on CNN before, before I let you go, because you know, MSNBC is on brand here, right? Like they're doing the thing they've always done. And I expect it. CNN, while I always thought they had a little bit of a left lean, I mean, we were there. And, and you know, I've always, I've always thought that. They've abandoned all precepts of trying to do journalism at times. People like Jake Tapper. I mean, I'm not saying everybody, but there, there's so many examples of it. The thing that I cannot get over, however, is the Andrew Cuomo situation. <laughs> right. Andrew Cuomo objectively it has done a worse job than anyone in the world including pangolin vendors in Wuhan <laughs> and all of that is going on while his brothers interviewing with softball interviews there's never a word of criticism outside of one time i know Jake Tapper did yes, take the on, one yes which was i was very thankful to just see that how how is the media embracing this guy who's selling posters who's who's hawking a book in the middle of the crisis how is this happening
1: I it's it is hard to understand how it's happening. I I think it's probably just a combination of two biases hitting at the same time. You know, Hmm. there is certainly a a, a bias towards, you know, the left. Obviously, I I would love to see the kind of coverage if I don't even know if they are. You know, Ron DeSantis is speaking at the RNC next week. I'd love to see what the media has to say about that. He's become this boogeyman of the coronavirus situation because he went out and attacked the media about it. So so there's that. But there's also, you know, a, a geographic bias. Right. I mean, you know, Andrew Cuomo spends a lot. He, he is, you know, he goes to the same parties that are the people in the New York media go to. I mean, and, and much more so even than like a Bill de Blasio, who actually has gotten some criticism and has been equally bad, if not worse than Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> um, the, yes. Yeah. The media doesn't doesn't go as easy on him. Um, but no, I mean, he is he is in the circles. Right. So it's very hard for them to, I think, be objective about it. And and yeah, I mean, you know, they love the idea that he also just goes and attacks Donald Trump on, on a regular basis about his response to the pandemic, which, you know, you don't have to say that, Donald. Trump had the great response to the coronavirus pandemic to say, Clearly, Andrew Cuomo did a pretty poor job.
0: Uh, I mean, it's just hard to—it's hard to deny. Yeah. Uh, Steve Krakauer, uh, it's fourthwatch.media. I can't recommend this newsletter highly enough. It's uh, three times a week, um, and he goes through all the stuff. And it's like, you, if you're used to watching media coverage that is constantly praising the left, which I know you are, uh, but you don't want a mindless, uh, you know, basically letter from the Trump campaign either. Like, you want to get someone who's actually thinking a little bit more deeply about these things, Steve. It, and you always dig up stuff that I hadn't even heard before. It's a fantastic newsletter. Make sure you subscribe to it, fourthwatch.media. Uh, and we are where, find you on Twitter as well. Yeah, Twitter at, at Steve oh, yeah. Although you're going to keep him on Twitter. He's already said he's on it too much. So, um, I mean, I guess you can follow him there too. Steve, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks, Steve. All right, back in a second. One of the big debates in uh, global warming uh, nerdery is uh, the climate sensitivity levels. How much is CO2 going to move the climate? Um, These models have been estimating all over the board for a very long time. And that's where you get all these really scary scenarios. If the climate sensitivity uh, can affect the temperature too much, it's going to wind up uh, jacking, jacking uh, all these uh, uh, increases in temperature and all the stuff gets out of control. That's sort of the debate. Where is that climate sensitivity point? New study out Earth System Dynamics, they report. Uh, that the uh, most sensitive models uh, overestimating global warming uh, for the last 50 years. Three scientists from the University of Exeter studied the output of complex climate models and compared them to the temperature observations since the 70s. And they're saying there's too much. They're basically making it to, to keep it simple. They're saying they've overestimated the fear. So that's not a surprise. I mean, that seems to be the way that this always happens. It keeps coming down and down and down. Good development, though, for the Earth. And, you know, in a very 2020 story, even if global warming doesn't kill us, you know, it's going to kill us. The weird dent in the Earth's magnetic field it is apparently split in two. Do we have the NASA image? Look at this image. Doesn't this wow the, the dent in the atmosphere is split in two and you can see it clearly right there, which is definitely not just a drawing from someone's kid at NASA. That's not what you're looking at right there. Just a bunch of squiggly lines. Definitely science, though, and not not a drawing from a toddler. Back in a second. Got something like 75 days until the election. Plenty of time to wear your fabulous new shirts. First of all, if, you, if you're not excited about the VP pick And people are like, Kamala? And you're like, nah, Kamala. Kamala Namala, uh, now available. (laughs) So stupid. Uh, Online. You should get one. It's great. And also, senility now. It's not a Seinfeld shirt. It's a Joe Biden shirt. Senility now. Available now for the election season at stuedoesmerch.com. We'll see you tomorrow.